you're in a cooking rut or just looking for healthy, feel-great recipes that are completely doable, subscribe to the Seasonal Recipe Bundle and receive seasonal recipe packs each quarter with amazing pro tips to save you time and help you get ahead of your week so cooking feels sustainable and attainable. These are more than just recipes, you guys. It's having meals and techniques at your fingertips that leave you and your family feeling great. Here's what members are saying. The SRB is 100. Tuna crostini, snap peas, and chimichurri shrimp are all delicious. I can't wait to try the rest. Melissa D says, I now love the idea of making a batch of soup at the beginning of each week. It makes it so much easier to make good food choices during the week, and I'm already cutting back on takeout. Subscribe to the annual membership for only $45 and add 24 recipes to your toolbox this year. Subscribe today by clicking on the link in episode notes or on foodiewithlife.com in the shop. And thanks. Today's guest is Steve Kreider, the farm to school lead for Viva Farms, based in the Skagit Valley of Western Washington. Viva Farms is a nonprofit organic farm business incubator, supporting the development of the next generation of farmers. Part of their work includes a farm to school program that has been underway for over the past five years, working with local schools in a variety of projects, from supplying school and food service programs with local fresh produce to school gardens and classroom work. With that, I'm so excited to have Steve here. This is a super important initiative, and it affects so many families in the Skagit Valley of Western Washington. I'm really excited to share this with you. Enjoy. Okay, Steve Kreider, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to get into this conversation. The Farm to School program from Viva Farms sounds incredible, and I'm really excited to learn more. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, my pleasure. So let's get into it. Can you tell me how the Farm to School program works? Farm to School has a long history of 25 or 30 years or more across the country of parents, teachers, administrators trying to accomplish several things, you know, uh, improve school lunch, healthier school lunches, and finding outdoor curriculum that can um, help educate kids about food, food systems, where food comes from, and create outdoor learning um, experiences, as well as uh, reinforce classroom learning goals. So uh, Viva Farms has incorporated that into our overall uh, farm and ag education program to uh, appeal to a younger set of students than the ones who, who participate in our Viva Farms um, farming practicum and, and that farm production level. So we've reached out and received grant support from the U.S. Department of Agriculture and also some local organizations like the Skagit Community Foundation have supported our work and others to work with our local schools here in Skagit County to advance school gardens and help get some of our, our young farmers food into the school cafeterias and that sort of thing. Um, and Viva Farms is located in Skagit County. How many schools are participating in the Farm to School program? Wow, you know, we got our grant was awarded. We wrote it in 2019 before COVID and it was announced in like June of 2020, right into the teeth of COVID and schools were shut down. Um, I mean, I didn't think there would be any possibility of any of it happening, Mm -hmm. but we worked on it through that period. And by the spring of 2021, when schools reopened. Um, I had been communicating all winter long about the possibility of this. And uh, I sent out 30 invitations 
to people that I knew in schools and ended up with 12 that responded positively and went the whole nine yards with the, uh, with the school garden piece. Um, another component of our um, uh, farm to school work is also with preschool. So we work with Head Start and pre early childhood education on a once a month uh, vegetable tasting item of the month piece. So that was a little bit more accessible, but the school garden piece, we had 12 respond to the uh, Three Sisters garden plan. And uh, I was just so gratified by that. And it was really thrilling to be on campus because kids had been, teachers had been away from one another with distance learning for that whole period. And they finally got together in the spring. There was just so much positivity and excitement and warmth from everyone being back together and wanting to do things and then being outside. It turned out school gardens was the perfect fit for, for this COVID period. So a lot of things came together to make it happen. That's so fantastic. we planted corn, beans and squash and sunflowers in the spring, tended them in the summer and were able to harvest them at the beginning of the following school year which is what we're in right now. Amazing. So Three Sisters Garden Program, can you talk a little bit about that? That's a traditional, sustainable, organic farming practice that goes back millennia. And it was originated orig in, uh, and developed uh, originally in what we, it's now Mexico in the highlands and the indigenous people there and spread all throughout Turtle Island to North America. And the Native American tradition calls it uh, the Three Sisters. Um, and there's many legends and beliefs and uh, stories and uh, belief systems that, that, that um, support the Three Sisters program and, and, the, and, and the, the depth that it has in the culture. Um, and it, uh, it is also called uh, Milpa, um, in, in Mexico, and it's a traditional farming system that incorporates these crops. Um, and the benefit of those is that they, they have a mutual support for one another. So the corn grows tall and beans like to climb up the corn, but the beans are legumes, so they draw nitrogen from the air and support the fertility of the soil and the nutrient needs of corn, which is a high nitrogen feeder. And the squash um, creates shade with the big broad leaves and is, acts as a weed suppressor and, and helps retain water and moisture in that system. So they're mutually reinforcing. And then on the harvest end, if you remember Francis Moore LaPay and Diet for a Small Planet, you know, eating corns and beans together form a complete protein. So they work on an agronomic level and they work at a nutritional level um, and have sustained large populations with a healthy diet for many thousands of years. That's fascinating. Ah, how amazing. Um, so there's three, and there's three pillars to the farm to school program, right? Well, if it's working well, um, there's three components that can mutually support and work in synergy. They're not necessarily required to have a farm to school program, but at, at its optimum, um, there's three areas that, that are focused in farm to school. So one is about the school lunch program and working with food service directors to try to get more fresh, local produce into their food systems. And there's many challenges to that between cost and labor and changing some menus around and having to change some systems or 
having to bring in new equipment to, to be able to, to do that well, but there are schools that are doing that and um, doing it quite well. The other component is the school garden, and that may be the one that most people are familiar with, the idea of having an outdoor space, maybe on the edge of a playground or somewhere on the school grounds that's taken from being grassy lawn and converted into um, uh, growing beds. They could be raised beds, they could be in the ground, there's a lot of different ways people do that. Um, and grow a variety of crops. It can be pollinator flowers, it can be um, vegetables that we, um, we have even have cases um, where we're growing grains here in, in Western Washington. Uh, winter wheat is a great thing to plant. You plant it in the fall and it grows in the winter and it, you harvest it the following summer and you can have that, it tells a story and it's something we can grow in the winter time. So there's a lot of different ways to approach it. And then there's the classroom piece. And that's one of the critical ones too, especially to getting teachers on board because we know teachers are have a lot on their plate already. And this idea of like adding something more can be a challenge, but in integrating that school garden into the classroom curriculum. And there's a lot of work and curriculum out there already developed for teachers that can help do that, especially for STEM education, but for art and um, the humanities. And there's, so uh, the STEM classes around science and engineering and math um, have a lot of applications for, for school garden. And then when they're really working together, what kids are learning in the classroom and doing in the school garden can be reinforced in the cafeteria around healthy eating and introduction to those plants and foods. And so they're not yucky or strange, or, you know, if you've like, you know, if you have some investment in that, if you've gotten your hands dirty, if you've played with those seeds and watched them grow, that's you're more connected, right? To spinach or radishes or, you know, sugar snap peas or whatever it is you, you grow it's a way of getting kids more acclimated and in a friendly relationship with their food. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I find that a hundred percent. So we have a little garden at, in our house uh -huh. and um, I last year grew just like this massive patch of kale. I just, you know, threw all the seeds in the ground and then whatever survived, survived. And so we had these two huge lines of kale and they were taller than my daughter who's now three. And she would go into the garden and she would pick the kale off the stem and she would just eat it from the garden. But if I served kale at the table, not interested. <laughs> but it, but it, you know, there is something about seeing it grow and watering it and being a part of the process. It's a completely different experience for her to go and do that. I mean, she loves carrots, but she was happily sitting in the garden, you know, eating the tomatoes off the tomato plants, picking the carrots out of the ground. It's such a cool, immersive experience for kids. And it kind of, just as you said, I, I have found that it kind of takes like the fear factor out of anything that would feel new because it feels more like an adventure when you're in the garden. Well, let's follow up on kale just for a second. Um, so I have the privilege to work with a, quite a number of different school districts and different schools, those 12 projects that, that, that stretched I mean, here we are in Skagit County, it stretched from concrete half an hour, 40 miles up the valley, all the way out to Island County in, in Coopville, you know, 40 miles the other way. Mm -hmm. And in quite a few here in Mount Vernon, Burlington, LaConnor, Anacortes. But for example, in the concrete school garden program, they've converted a portable that they no longer, one of the portable classrooms into a teaching kitchen and they had support to do that. So that teaching kitchen is right next to the garden. And I gotta tell you, I've been in the classroom with 
third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth graders who do just that. They go out and pick that kale from the garden. They bring it in. They've learned how to stir fry it with garlic and soy sauce, and they make rice on the side, and they ask for seconds and thirds. Mm -hmm. And not only that, during COVID, when things were so disrupted and, you know, school lunch is a significant part of many school, many children's diet. Many kids in our area have two meals a day from school. But when that was disrupted, schools were having to feed students in a, in a different way. Those kids had cooking skills. Those um, in the concrete school district, they were able to send kale and other product back to the home and the kids knew how to cook it for their parents. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, know, they had cooking skills as well as, uh, and and they had seeds and they grew their own garden during COVID, you know? So, you know, that it it creates a lifetime learning experience, you know, that um, food and gardening, um, as you well know, is, you know, is is a lifelong learning thing. Mm -hmm. And to get them started early and excited and embrace that um, Mm -hmm. really teaches some real life skills. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell me, so when you're working with the schools, so a little background on me, I used to be a broker for food service packaging. I have a lot of experience um, with brokerage and working with the school districts and, you know, different kind of niche markets. And so to get into schools is challenging and there's kind of a window when you can submit a proposal and kind of be included in the next school district's curriculum or, you know, their food programs and that kind of stuff. So tell me um, when you're, I don't know if Skagit is this way, I would assume it's similar. Uh, yes, it is. But uh, for example, Viva Farms is GAP certified, mm-hmm. which is for some situations, that's a requirement to, in order to be a purveyor. Um, Can you um, tell me what GAP certified is? Can you explain? Oh, it? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, GAP stands for um, good agriculture practices. And a lot of that is around food handling and the, the need for safe food handling and, you know, from field to table. Um, mm-hmm. And so that you're, um, you're, cleaning stations are, are sanitized and, you know, the, the bins that, you know, that are, you know, washing and packing vegetables are cleaned and just, a, you know, training our farmers. Um, what we do at Viva is help train the next generation of organic farmers. That's an important step. It's not just about growing. There's also the handling and the marketing and the sales and all of those different steps to be a successful farmer. So um, being able to box things up in, you know, schools want to receive things in certain ways and um, that makes it easier to fit into their system. So, um, you know, we've been able to, to accomplish that. I must say as well, um, the Washington State Department of Agriculture is hugely supportive and does trainings and outreach to school food service programs to help um, bridge that gap, to help make those connections uh, meet up. There's a lot of support systems out there, both at the USDA level with incentives to, to buy more local product. Um, and bring that into the mix because it, it, it's oftentimes more expensive and it's outside of the norm. But for example, salad bars and things like that that you see now in schools, which are relatively new, um, a lot of those times they can incorporate local and fresh produce from local farmers. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's so cool. So do you ever um, do you ever provide crops to schools and then help to train any of the cooks or the people preparing the food what to do with them? Or do they usually feel like they know what's going on or they oh, know how yeah, to use yeah. it. Yeah, and there's, um, yeah, we have a, a friend who's uh, a trained, he's a former sh- uh, food service uh, director and sh- and uh, now he's an independent chef, our friend uh, Kent Getson over on Eastern Washington. And he works with the 
WSDA as kind of a freelance advisor. So we've done workshops like knife handling skills, right. you know, uh, you know, you know, helping train staff to be able to how to cut things properly and how to keep knives sharp. Um, we've done other projects up, up here in Skagit. We're, we're very blessed to have um, Dr. Steve Jones and the WSU Bread Lab. So grain is a part of what we have up here and local mills. So how to use local grain um, in a school lunch program. Um, the pastry flowers can be used for desserts like, you know, blue, um, blueberry cobbler and things like that. And um, things like focaccia that you can make quickly that have multiple uses could be like a pizza, could go with uh, as a side dish and using those local grains from Cairn Spring Mills and Fairhaven Mills, which we have right here in Skagit Valley. So again, that's an example of, you know, grow the grain in the garden, um, have it on the lunch menu and talk about it in the classroom. Um, so we've done that. And then also with the three sisters, we were able to do that in several locations where that, uh, again, one of the difficulties about the school garden here in Washington is that, you know, you plant it in the spring, but then you, the, the most of the summer we're, we're away, right? You know, the kids aren't in school and then you come back in September, but the three sisters garden concept is, uh, these are, it's dry corn. It's, you know, it's a winter squash, it's dry beans, it's not green beans. So we plant them in May and June, which we're about to do right here real soon. Um, they grow all summer, they need minimal care, a little bit of watering, a little bit of weeding, but not a whole lot, but you harvest them in September and October when you come back to school. So it fits the school calendar as well. So with that as corn beans and squash, um, we've done classroom work where we bring in, uh, uh, a corn shucker, 19th century corn shucker, and you put the corn in and it takes all the corn off the off the cob and makes a lot of noise and kids take turns doing that. And then we take that corn and we grind it up in a mill and um, we've made tortillas um, and done tacos. We've taken it to the, to the school kitchen or the teacher's um, retreat kitchen room and made cornbread and brought it back to the classroom uh, with a crock pot. You can make a three sisters stew. You know, so we've done some things with those, you know, taking that crop from the school garden and utilizing it in the classroom, but also telling a story and talking about the history of corn and the history of three sisters and the, the kids do research projects about the cultural practices of, of, of Native Americans and the importance and the uh, of that um, system to Native cultures. Um, as well as the health and nutritional benefits, and then learn to make something with it. So we try to um, uh, do a lot of different things with those garden materials, um, how to read recipes, how to read a seed packet, how to, um, how to measure out and plan your garden. You know, those are math skills. Those are design skills. Um, and there's a great emphasis these days on experiential learning and not just rote memory or lecturing and that sort of thing, or just filling out you know, a handout sheet, but actually, you know, do things, you know, in small groups and solve problems. And, you know, anyone who's worked in a garden, you know, there's always something to figure out or do different or learn how to do better. So um, that's kind of the goal between of, of all that that we're trying to do. So incredible. Can you, I want to dig in a little bit to a couple of the initiatives that were included in the grant that you wrote. Um, so in it is Harvest for Healthy Kids, Item of the Month, and Family Food Boxes. Um, can, yeah. you, can you talk a bit about those and how kind of how the loop works? Sure. 
friendly cooperators who who share the vision and and, and want to work together. So Harvest for Healthy Kids is a USDA program to uh, with a, has curriculum and flashcards and all kinds of support system. It's targeted toward preschool, early childhood education, uh, as an introduction to new, new vegetables and learning the names of those vegetables, but also then experiencing those fruits and vegetables. So um, it's multifaceted and it involves bringing an, you know, an item of the month um, into the classroom and then doing things with it and learning about it and handling it and tasting it and providing recipes for parents to take home, to, to try it at home. So we've done this for several years, um, even before we, we had the grant, um, we had partnerships that were supporting that. So um, the steps are like this, you, you designate an item of the month, let's say it's going to be uh, strawberries which Viva Farms grows a lot of, and they harvest in June. So it fits the school calendar year. Um, and then our partnerships included um, Head Start. It included some special preschool classes with the Mount Vernon School District, especially targeted for uh, children coming from families of English as a second language. Um, and then we had um, 19 private daycares that are supported by Child Care Aware and Opportunity Council. A lot of those are working families or low income. Many of those are well are from farm, farm worker families. So let's say strawberries item of the month. So Viva Farmers grows them. The cost is for the grower is paid for by the USDA. So we can supply them at a at free or very reduced cost to those settings. Um, our partners at WSU Skagit extension, county extension, provides the curriculum and the support materials and the recipes. So we pull that together. If the item needs to be cleaned or cooked or prepared, we work with the high school culinary team that, that's training um, career students and who want to be going to a culinary path so they can prep those strawberries or make strawberry shortcake. So they used local grain flour to make biscuits or shortcake and they prepped the strawberries. So we were able to deliver a finished product to the classroom, as well as raw strawberries to look at and see and play with and examine and taste fresh. And then they had strawberry shortcake and then they had recipes to take home. And so it kind of completed the whole loop of from farm to table, but via those other partners that I mentioned to get to those teachers in the classroom and the parents to make it into something that's quick and usable, you know, in a classroom setting. So all those different steps along the way are supported and funded to help make that happen. It's incredible. And so you mentioned a few of the populations that are served by this program. Um, does this does this program kind of target a specific population? Not not at the school garden level, that, that the public school level. Uh, definitely at the preschool level. To be involved with Head Start, there's re, there's re criteria that a lot of it has to do with um, income level and and families in need. Viva Farms is a bilingual program and the Harvest for Healthy socially disadvantaged families or who may have been historically underserved in the past, include them in these opportunities. And when you mentioned one of the, the, the family food box. Mm -hmm. So the family food box program was our response at Viva Farms during COVID when Head Start was shut down. You know, there wasn't, you know, they were doing Head Start 
you know, over the phone and via a laptop and, you know, families were not, you know, teachers were not dealing in classroom. And, and so it was very, it was very hard on everyone. And so we could not deliver a monthly item of the month. So we got together with Head Start and said, well, what can we do? So this is the fall of 2020, you know, in the teeth of COVID. Instead of a monthly an item of the month, we pulled together in November and December family food boxes that contained eight or eight to 10 vegetables with the recipes for all of them just before Thanksgiving and just before Christmas. So instead of doing an item of the month, we can, you know, we, we, you know, as everyone did, we, you know, we shifted on the fly and how did we adapt to COVID? And we created the, this, the family food box program, which tried to accomplish some of those same goals by getting those fresh organic farm produce to those families and children in a family food box. So we created those food boxes at Vivo. We delivered them to the Head Start and then the Head Start families picked them up for free. You know, it was funded by, by Head Start and Vivo Farms and the USDA program together that allowed us to adjust our grant proposal, which was not based on a family food box at all, but was adjusted for COVID and allowed to, to, to make that change on the fly. So that, that's what that was about. So like all of us, you know, COVID threw, threw us all a lot of curveballs, and we just had to kind of work with it, you know, our farm, and it worked well for our farmers because they had lost markets, they had lost restaurants, they had lost farmers markets. So that food was able to go, um, be, they were able to be paid for those vegetables and it just went in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So it was a real win, win, win. Yeah. And it's so important you're closing the loop on that because just just because you're a farmer, just as you're teaching people, just because you're a farmer or you have a specific trade skill doesn't mean that you have all these other pieces that you've been trained to do all these other things. So, you know, like market and social media or, you know, have to develop different relationships or find different paths to get your, you know, crops to the end user. It's just, it's super powerful that you, you're helping to help close the loop on that so that things don't go to waste and they can be repurposed as the market changes. Yeah, and in the larger picture of Viva Farms, that's exactly what we do. You know, we have we know we have about 119 acres, 48 farm family businesses going on um, that we help support with land, infrastructure, capital, and then that marketing training and outreach and sales program to help them you know, discover and work various channels so they can maybe they can do the farmer's market directly but we can help consolidate product to ship to whole foods or others uh, our local food co-ops are very supportive so you know we, we serve a lot of different purposes in in that in the overall support that viva farms does to beginning farmers mm -hmm. um what's being harvested from the garden right now well this is the wet Time. This is the this is the time when seeds are getting planted in the greenhouses to get transplanted out. So it is a beehive of activity right now, um, but harvests aren't taking place. It's all of the stuff that's about to go into the ground. That's you know the tomato starts and all the things that are going to be transplanted are being started. They've been started over these last few weeks in greenhouses so they can be planted out so we can get an early start. You know our our season and uh, harvest for healthy kids starts in May. And runs all the way to December. Radishes coming on in 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 May and June is going to be spinach and strawberries, and then all summer long, and then into the fall we get things like winter squash and kale and beets and carrots and some of those crops that you associate with with, with fall. Um, do you have a recipe that that you could send me that we can share 
that your students have come up with or yeah i sure do use? i think we've got the three sisters stew or the three sisters tacos that yeah uh, i'd love that. that we came up with that kind of uses the corn beans and squash uh, uh in an easy to use form so yeah just saute them up and um you can take it a couple of directions you can use it a filling for a, a taco or you can add you know, tomato sauce and a little more broth and turn it into a soup um that works well with the cornbread so um that's what we did with, with some of the classrooms here in Skagit Valley this, in the last, well, well, during the winter season, when the school garden isn't, isn't active, you know, we still have school garden activities and planning. And another important part of it all is the seed saving. So those crops that corn, beans, and squash, we saved seeds from those. So the seeds from last year that that class grew, they're passing on to the next class coming on who take over the garden and are using some of the seeds that were provided by the previous year's class. So there's kind of a seed stewardship piece to it too. So cool. Well, thank you so much, Steve. This is incredible. I look forward to, um, to the recipe. You're just doing incredible work. Yep. And our CSA. We have a 350 member CSA that services Whatcom, Skagit, and King County. You, know, you could go online to vivafarms.org right now and find that CSA sign up. I love it. Can we find you or Viva Farms anywhere else? You may not see the Viva Farms as a brand or a name, you know, as a, this crop was provided by such and such a farm, but of the many FIVA farmers that are in our program are identified by their individual farm name. So we're a little bit behind the scenes because we're we want to support those farmers in their success um, in developing their brand so that eventually they will not be at Viva Farms. They will move out onto their own farmland and you know they will already have be a known entity to the food network and food system who um, they sell to. Well thank you so much Steve. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's been a pleasure to, to share some of what we're up to. You're doing incredible work. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You know, I love to end all of these episodes with a brief meditation. So today is about opening your heart. So if you're in a place where you can close your eyes, go ahead and do that. If not, just try to find a soft gaze. So you will feel the eyes maybe relax a little bit and the space around the eyebrows and the eyes, all those muscles, just kind of release. So roll your shoulders up, back and down as we always do. Take a deep inhale through the nose and then exhale through the mouth. <sighs> Sometimes it feels great to make that kind of sigh of sound. <sighs> so again, if you're somewhere where you can do that, take another inhale through the nose. And if you can sigh, go ahead and do that. <sighs> we'll do it once more. <sighs> again, roll the shoulders up back and down and feel for the shoulder blades coming just a little bit closer together and dropping down slightly. And then I want you to bring your awareness to the center of your heart and visualize a warm light coming from the center of your heart, the center of your chest and feel for a lifting and a brightening deep expansion. And as you inhale, that light expands out and wide, maybe just to your shoulders, 
And as you exhale, it just barely shrinks back, moving with your breath. Inhale, bring that light wider past your shoulders. And then exhale, shrink back slightly. And finally, inhale, bring the light wider, bigger. And then exhale, bring it all the way back to the center, back to that single point in the center of your chest. Last time, roll the shoulders back and down and lift one more time through the center of the chest. As you're ready, blink the eyes open if they're closed or blink the eyes if they've just found that soft gaze. Thank you so much for being with me today. I hope our conversation allows you to take back a bit of your time so you can have more space, more breathing room, more energy. Have a great day.